What is prayer, metaphysically speaking? You can think of it as spending time with the essence that enlivens your soul. God lives in the inmost part of you, but it's also transcendent of everything that you can possibly imagine. Do you see the difference here? If you imagine that God is a supreme being at the top of a hierarchy, that makes God a contingent person who can respond to persuasion. But when you realize that God is beingness itself, then you can see that the divine is the force of causality itself. God is outside of contingency. It is causality. God causes existence. So it's not one thing among many things in the universe. It is the essence of the universe itself. I'm Nina Hielenda. Welcome to Holy Rebels, the podcast for modern mystics who seek the sacred in all things. We explore mystical theology to help you put your spirituality into action. The metaphysics of prayer fascinates me because when we pray, we're at our most vulnerable and our most authentic. It's so private and revealing. And sometimes our prayers even surprise us because we discover our most sincere desires that have gone unspoken and hidden even from our own conscious minds until that very moment when we whisper them in confidence to God. And that is exactly what makes prayer so powerful. Because in it, we discover parts of ourselves that were hidden from our own hearts. God is constant. It is unchanging. But it doesn't mean that God is distant or impersonal. It means that the divine, the source of all things, is absolute that you can't influence it through your prayers, which is exactly the opposite of what most people think that prayer is for. Prayer is never meant to change God or to persuade it to do our will or give us certain results. That's unhealthy, actually, because you're basically saying that things are not what they're supposed to be. Now, chances are, if you're on a spiritual path, You strive to be a more resilient person to the challenges that come your way. And you strive to be more surrendered and open to the good that's coming your way. And so trying to convince the universe to adapt to your desires is not going to achieve those personal development goals. Generally speaking, someone who's showing up in prayer and asking God for outcomes is like a child begging for their mom or dad to give them something that they want. And if you're doing this, don't worry. It's not your fault because most of us are taught that petition prayer is the only form of prayer. We're taught to ask God for things. Dear God, please make them fall in love with me or get me that promotion or, you know, give me that whatever it is, whatever it is you're praying for. But that's not very helpful. If you're seeking to grow spiritually in your relationship to the divine, you can't pray like you're writing a letter to Santa because that's counterproductive. If you want to grow spiritually, 
You have to avoid this attitude of manipulation when you pray. Now, I don't mean that in a negative way. Most of us do this innocently. And there's a place for petition prayer. But if you want to open yourself up to mystical prayer, and we'll get into the types of prayer later in this episode, then what you have to do is place yourself before the beloved as a friend. Okay? So arrive in prayer as if you're going to have a coffee with an old friend. That is the attitude which will cultivate in you a kind of receptivity that's required to hear your intuition and to get guidance that's more than just your ego masking itself as the voice of God. You need to come to prayer with a sense of openness and relaxation, not with an agenda. Now, if you're used to asking God for things that you want, and that's the only form of prayer that you know, don't feel bad. I was in the very same shoes. You hear people say that you should pray. A priest or minister or a mentor, guru, some teacher, someone in a position of spiritual authority. They urge you to pray. And you always think, yeah, okay, okay. And then, you know, you ask for stuff, but you don't really sit there and your mind wanders. And it just lasts maybe five minutes. And you don't really learn how to pray. That was true for me. I didn't really know that prayer could be anything but asking for stuff. And I had quite a judgmental attitude about it. I kind of thought that prayer is for the desperate. It's for unbearable circumstances only when you have no other options. And so I refused to pray, thinking that the point is to hold out as long as possible until you absolutely can't stand it anymore. A game of mercy, you know, where you interlock fingers with someone, in this case God, and you fight it out until one of you either has your hand broken or screams mercy. (laughs) I mean, obviously I was wrong. Obviously God doesn't want to break your fingers. (laughs) God wants you to thrive because your natural inheritance is to thrive. So if you're doing either of these two extremes, either you're asking God for specific outcomes and things you want to happen, you're trying to persuade God to do your bidding, or if you're like how I was, you're playing mercy by refusing to ask for help. Don't worry. The good news is there's so much more to prayer, and we're going to go over it here. Prayer is beautiful because it is a gateway into the mystical life. There's no other way to mysticism except through prayer. I know that's a huge claim, right? But this is true in any religion, in any spiritual tradition, because prayer is about you connecting with God directly. It's a conversation between two best friends. Now, I am so excited to share this exploration with you in this episode and in the upcoming episodes because this is about the metaphysics, the first foundational level of mysticism, prayer. 
And this very first stage of prayer is called the purgative way. And that's what we'll talk about today. This will prepare us for the mystical way, the mystical prayer. And this is very important because mystical prayer builds on these foundational principles that we're talking about today. So today, we're going to discuss what the great mystics say about prayer and how they prayed and how we can nurture our own inner life. Because prayer is not just sitting around asking God for stuff like most of us were taught when we were kids. No, prayer is your direct line to the source of everything. For mystics, prayer is a lifeline. So, let me ask you a question. What do you think prayer is for? What is its purpose? I've just made this definitive statement that prayer is essential to the mystical life. Why do you think that is? I'd like to share something with you that John of Damascus says. He's a 7th century monk, and he describes prayer succinctly as the raising of the mind and the heart to God. Isn't that beautiful in its simplicity? The raising of the mind and heart to God. And then there's Teresa of Avila, one of the great mystics and doctors of the church. She says plainly, Mental prayer, in my opinion, is nothing else than an intimate sharing between friends. It means taking time frequently to be alone with him who we know loves us. The important thing is not to think much, but to love much, and so do that which best stirs you to love. Love is not great delight but a desire to please God in everything. Hmm, isn't that beautiful? So when we pray, we're lifting ourselves up to a contemplation of the divine. The act of prayer isn't meant to change God. It's meant to change us. And as we raise our hearts, Something metaphysical is happening. That is, our state of being is changed because we're lifted up out of our limited perspective. We are relieved from our anger and our fear, and our soul is elevated to another level where we can better face our lives. God doesn't change. We change. And this is the goal of the first level of prayer, which is called the purgative way. There are three levels of prayer altogether, and there are three types of prayer within each level, which makes nine types of prayer total. So today we're focusing on just the first category, the first level, the purgative way. And if you're new to prayer, or you're new to this type of prayer, 
you can try it like this. Think of it like this. When you sit down to pray, imagine that you're ordering your life to God. Don't pray for outcomes. Just pray to become the person that you were born to be. Pray that you will change. For example, let's say you're feeling afraid. Don't pray for circumstances to resolve themselves. Instead, pray for courage. Or here's another example. If someone betrays you and you're angry, don't pray for justice. Pray to become someone who can forgive. I know it's hard to hear, but I speak from experience. If you're sick, don't pray for a miracle. Pray for endurance. If there's some inexplicable loss and you're overcome with grief, don't pray for answers. Instead, pray for the grace not to numb your heart. If you only take one thing away from this episode, let it be this. Pray for inner fortitude, not external outcomes. Because when you're someone who has unshakable integrity, this is the jewel around which all the other spiritual goals spin. When you are someone who holds to your moral compass, no matter how great the external pressure, then you have made it, my friend. This is the ultimate spiritual achievement. So this type of prayer is the purgative way because you're purging all the things about yourself that aren't helping you spiritually. The goal is to align yourself to the person you were born to be, to your highest self. And when you align yourself with God's will for you, Curiously, that's also your own deepest desire for yourself. When you can do that, then you become that person. You do that in your mind, you do that in your prayers, and then everything starts moving your soul and your psychology and your heart towards that reality. How you show up in the world does affect some of what happens to you. Check this out. Let's say that friendship is important to you, but you've had bad experiences, and you're kind of cynical about humanity, and you have a difficult time trusting others, so it's hard for you to form lasting friendships. Well, if you're being judgmental and grouchy, How are you supposed to muster the enthusiasm or take the emotional risks that a new friendship requires? Your attitude will stop you from putting yourself out there, and you'll create a feedback loop that reinforces your core belief that humanity sucks. Don't do that to yourself. When you pray, focus on connecting with what you really want instead of relying on a coping mechanism that prevents you from being hurt. Ask yourself and ask God, why am I so defensive and afraid of rejection? God, 
Help me see how I'm sabotaging my new relationships. Help me let go of the past. Open my heart to new experiences. And then you just listen. You sit in the discomfort of realizing that maybe you need therapy. Or maybe you're projecting previous hurts onto the future and sabotaging your relationships before they have a chance to begin. Imagine what it would feel like to be free from your conditioning. How would you feel in your body if you didn't have this self-defeating pattern? How would you behave differently? Now, what's stopping you from acting on it? See, prayers manifest through real-world follow-through. It's not some magical thinking. Pope Francis says, You pray for the hungry, then you feed them. That's how prayer works. Now, obviously, sometimes it's not that simple. Sometimes there are deeply entrenched core beliefs or trauma that need psychological healing. Prayer is not a replacement for therapy. Okay, it works on a different level. Therapy can help you understand your wounds. Prayer helps you release them. But you can't release that which you do not understand or haven't processed on a psychosomatic level. So I believe therapy and prayer are going hand in hand. They're like two wings of a bird. You need both to fly. So this is what the purgative way is all about. See how far we've now come from this childish idea that prayer is a form of appeasement to get what you want? Purgative prayer challenges you to let go of the idea of God as the grantor of wishes. It's interesting, though, that we project our human values onto the divine. And it's our nature, of course. It's in our nature to personify God because we want to make the transcendent nature of the universe more personal in order to have an intimate relationship with it or with him or her, if you prefer that pronoun. See, this is why we use pronouns in the first place, to describe God. This is why we give it titles like God the Father or the Divine Mother, or whatever. And that's good, because those pronouns give us the ability to relate to God on a personal level. <laughs> but we have to be careful not to get trapped in the idea that the Divine is a person, because people are flawed. God is not a being who rewards good behavior and punishes wicked deeds. God isn't even a being, not even the supreme being at the top of a hierarchy. No, God is beingness itself. It's entirely apart from the world, and yet it's inside every cell of this world. God is the source and infrastructure of reality. It's the absolute unconditioned, real, from which all things, seen and unseen, are born. 
And this is why, when you pray, it's helpful to imagine connecting with the raw energy of being that animates you. Try it. Think of prayer as spending time with the essence that enlivens your soul. God lives in the inmost part of you, and it's also transcendent of everything that you can possibly imagine. It's amazing! So let that idea enchant you. Let it move you into a state of wonder. Let it make you into a child again. Do you see the difference here? Between God as supreme being versus God as beingness itself? And do you see why this matters so much when you pray? Because if you imagine that God is a supreme being at the top of a hierarchy, that makes God a contingent person who responds to persuasion. But when you realize that God is beingness itself, then you can see that the divine is a force of causality. God is outside of contingency. It is causality. God causes existence. It's not one being among many in the universe. It is the essence of the universe. We are barely skimming the surface here of how prayer works and what actually happens when you sit down to pray. So here's a takeaway from today. It all comes down to who or what you imagine you're praying to. What is God? And if God is the life that animates reality, then how do you pray? Imagine that you are lifting your heart and your mind up to the divine so that you are aligning your soul with the vibration of the essence that made you. This is a practice that can change you. And that's the point. Try it. In the next episode, we'll continue this conversation about the metaphysics of prayer. Specifically, why does it seem like God answers some prayers and not others? What should you do when your prayers go unanswered? But before I let you go, can I ask you to do me a favor? If you enjoyed this episode, please leave me a review. This is a brand new podcast, so your comments help me tremendously because they let Apple Podcasts and Google know that this is a podcast worth recommending to other people, other spiritual seekers who want to learn more about prayer and the nature of mysticism. So please leave a review below wherever you're listening to this podcast. My friend, remember, this is your life. Make it count. I'll see you next time on Holy Rebels. Holy Rebels.